In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his hand maiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him, from generation to generation. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Amen. We call it the Magnificat because it is the first word in Latin for my soul magnifies the Lord. It teaches us how to worship God. It teaches us how to worship by teaching us the faith. The highest worship that any soul can extend to God is to believe the gospel. There is no greater way to magnify the Lord than by confessing Christ who saves us. This beautiful canticle could easily have been called the Exultavit, more of a mouthful. That's the first words for, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The true worship is founded in true joy. Not forced joy or worldly joy or sentimental joy, but true, godly, spirit-wrought joy. If there is a distinction between the soul and the spirit that might be put very succinctly based on the words of the Magnificat, it is this. The soul thinks and the spirit adores. That is, the believing soul thinks rightly about God, and the believing spirit adores God rightly. Only if the soul thinks rightly about God can the spirit adore the mystery of God. You must be taught. But our soul learns to call God great only when our spirit learns to know God's grace. Neither soul nor spirit can rejoice or magnify God without each other. We magnify God with our soul by rejoicing from our innermost spirit in him who saves us from our sin. When Mary first heard from the angel Gabriel that she would give birth to the Savior of the world, she said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. This is the response of faith. This is what we speak to God when his ministers deal with us according to his word. We first acknowledge that God is speaking to us. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. We second acknowledge that what he says to us is both true and beneficial. Let it be done to me according to your word. This is what we say to God. We say amen and amen. But the Magnificat is more than an amen. It is a greeting. It is not what Mary sang to the angel. It is not what Mary sang to herself once the angel left, although it was no doubt being composed in her heart even as she sat pondering these things which the angel told her. No, rather the Magnificat was what Mary sang as a greeting to her cousin Elizabeth as she drew near her home and as a response to Elizabeth's blessing. She didn't respond with, it is so good to see you, she didn't say, oh my, how you're showing already. Instead, she spoke of a more profound joy that the two of them shared. 
that goes beyond the mundane excitement of pregnancy. She sang of the great joy that Elizabeth's child would one day preach to the souls of all men as he prepared the way for the magnificent child that Mary was carrying. What a thing to ponder. She sang, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. By singing the Magnificat to Elizabeth as a greeting, Mary did exactly what St. Paul admonishes us to do in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And if you notice in that wonderful hymn that we just sang, it begins in the first person, and once it is established that love caused his incarnation, love brought him down to me, then, like in Psalm 51, I will teach transgressors your ways once a new heart is created within you. So we spend the rest of that beautiful hymn singing to those who are distressed and languishing in bitterness. This is the response of one who knows the gospel. To talk to others who need the gospel, encourage them to listen to it, to pay attention to it, to find their life in it. Within Mary, the word of God dwelt richly in all wisdom. The very word of God and the wisdom of God made flesh, the Christ. And so with her greeting to Elizabeth, Mary sang with grace in her heart to the Lord. And with this spiritual song, she taught and admonished her elder cousin. Here we see two important aspects of Christian worship. We see both the where from and the what for of praise. Praise doesn't merely consist of the worshiper's emotional response to something wonderful. As Jesus says, it is God who prepares praise out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes. God prepares praise by teaching us the gospel. So praise, therefore, is first of all, not some knee-jerk or hip-twitching movement in us that gets us all excited about what God is doing. No, some praise is something that God teaches us how. That's where it's from. It isn't the impulsive expression of the heart, it's the intentional and articulate confession of the soul. Mary didn't say, I magnify the Lord and I rejoice in God my Savior. She said instead that her soul and her spirit do the praising. And this is because it is her soul and her spirit that have been taught to believe. Her praise doesn't flow from her inner emotions. Her praise flows from the gospel that she received by the word of God. It is as Isaiah says, with my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Isaiah 26, 9. And this brings us to the second important aspect of praise. It's instructive. It teaches righteousness to the inhabitants of the world by recalling the judgments of God. This is the what for of praise. Certainly praise is pleasing to God for its own sake, inasmuch as God is pleased with faith that trusts his promises. God delights in all who do, all we do to thank and honor him. But our praise is useful. And we must not forget that. 
by recalling the promises of the gospel, the praise of our soul and spirit proclaim to those around us and those gathered this evening how God regards all of us for Jesus' sake. When you show reverence this evening, pay attention and give what you can to sing what we are all singing. When you do this, you confess not only that you hold this sacred so that other people know that you're a Christian, so that they see how seriously you take it. But in addition to this, the words you sing and say amen to are words that actually convey what we all want one another to know and believe as well about how God regards us and how come. Our praise is useful. We want to be useful to one another. We go to church because of the service that God renders to us. We also go to church to be of use to one another. When Mary conceived Jesus, the judgments of God truly came down to earth. God's verdict on the whole world was made known. By filling her womb, he instructed her soul and taught her spirit to rejoice. So also by making his home in us through the word we hear, he prepares praise that cannot be silenced. He teaches us to confess that we are righteous before God for the sake of him who fulfilled all righteousness. He teaches sinners to know true righteousness by knowing first that we are lowly. He teaches sinners to rejoice in righteousness by regarding our lowliness and becoming lowly himself. It is as Mary's song continues, she gives reason for her magnifying and rejoicing. Why does she praise the Lord? Because he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. That's why. He has not judged her according to her sin and unworthiness. No, he regards her precisely because her sin and unworthiness make her perfectly fit to need a savior. He didn't search the earth for a worthy receptacle of his incarnation. He didn't produce some immaculate, immaculate conceived virgin so that Jesus could be born in a woman who had no sin. No. He beheld the sons and daughters of men and found lowly sinners, every one of us, including his own mother. And he taught Mary to know it. He taught Mary to confess it. He found in her a lowly sinner who needed more than a baby. She needed God. And then he taught Mary how he regards lowly sinners by teaching her about Jesus, by giving her Jesus. Mary found favor with God because God regarded her lowliness, and he will regard your lowliness too. He looked at her lowliness and said, this is what I will lift up. This is what I will exalt. This is what I come now to assume as my own flesh and redeem with my own blood. This is what I regard with affection and love. And this is how we magnify the Lord. His word teaches us how. We magnify the Lord by humbling ourselves, by counting all our noble deeds and even our sincere praises as rubbish compared to him who has mercy on sinners. God doesn't look down from heaven searching for the most sincere, the most virtuous, the most noble. You know, he looks down and regards our lowliness. He sees fitting vessels for his abiding presence by seeing sinners who have been humbled by the law and cannot raise themselves back up. Are you fit for God? How do you know? What honor do you seek? 
What relationship do you claim with Jesus in order to join in his praise and be found worthy? Is it because you have always been a churchgoer? Is it because you give money to your congregation or because you give your time and energy? Is it because you magnify the Lord so well or because you are such a joyful believer? Is it because you have raised Christian children? Well, Mary praised Christ. Mary knew joy. Mary gave her time, her honor, her very body to, to the service of her Savior God. But we must remember what Mary was once taught and which she admonishes us to embrace in her spiritual song. That God regards none of these things. He regards our lowliness. He seeks to have mercy on sinners. A woman once cried out to Jesus from the crowd, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Remember that? But this is not what Mary meant when she sang all, that all generations shall call her blessed. Her blessedness wasn't in the service she rendered. It was in the service she received. So Jesus responded, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Yes, blessed are those who do what Mary did who kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She believed. She believed that she was blessed not because the world could see it, not because she could feel it. She believed because the word of God said it. As Elizabeth also said, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And this is what prompted her Magnificat. No one has ever been more blessed than Mary. No greater honor has ever been bestowed on any man than what was bestowed upon this woman. The eternal God who, because he sought to make his home in you, made his home in her. He became flesh and blood for you in her. He lived a perfectly obedient life for you by becoming the perfect child who brought joy and honor to her more than any child could bring his parents. He was pierced for you, but what sorrow his sacrifice works in your heart cannot compare with the sword that pierced his mother's. Her dear child gave his life for hers, was mocked for her honor, was beaten for her safety, was brought low that she may be exalted, all this for you. Mary serves as a picture of the church. We receive what she received by calling her blessed. We acknowledge what God gives us only by acknowledging what great things God has done for his whole church on earth. And that's why we sing to one another too. And we gather with her. We listen with her. We teach and admonish one another. Just like Mary did. Just like the church is even now called to do. And honoring Mary the way he did, God honors motherhood. He teaches us that there is no greater privilege that God bestows on mankind than to be a mother, than for God to give life in the womb. And so it has been since Adam named his wife Eve, the mother of all living. And the incarnation of the Son of God proves this. Motherhood is avoided these days, even by Christians, Christian women, who have learned from their culture instead of from Mary. Children are seen as commodities that bring as much stress as joy. 
And so women seek respect and fulfillment elsewhere where they can get the recognition they think they deserve outside of the home, where caring for children remains a thankless task that gains no public admiration. Being a mother is a lowly thing in the eyes of the world. It's something to be outsourced to professionals who get paid to watch kids. But it's a lowly thing that God regards. As Psalm 127 says, children are a heritage from the Lord. And as Proverbs 31 says about the God-fearing woman, her children rise up and call her blessed. Mary didn't seek the praise of the world. She sought the mercy of God. Mary didn't announce to the world what great things she had done. She sought counsel and friendship with her dear Elizabeth who even as an old lady shared her joys and fears of motherhood and told her of the great things God had done for her. Let this be an example for all Christian women. Yes, there is stress. There is heartache. There are tears and pain in motherhood that no man can understand. But God does. The God who honors and regards the lowly. As God had compassion on his mother at the foot of his cross, so God has compassion on every mother whose children bring them grief. Do you want them to rise up and call you blessed? Do you want them to bring honor that the world doesn't offer? Have they not? Will they not? Then look where Mary found her honor. Find with Mary where her child earned her blessing and where all generations of the children of God rise up to call her blessed. Teach your children to praise God as Mary did, and teach yourself when no one rises up to bless you. God continues to come down to you to give you more blessing than the world can afford. Your honor is in your loneliness, and the world won't praise it no more than they'll praise the selfless sacrifices of a stressed out mom. But God will. He regards the lowly because he gives value to lowliness. He joined Mary in her lowliness and saved her by his lowliness. And it is on us who fear him that he has mercy. So come here where he who is holy sets you apart to do great things for you. For it is here that he who is holy sets his church apart and does great things for her. He has created his church through water and the word so that through water and the word she might bear many children to God. And so the church rises up to praise him for his eternal blessing. We who have been taught the word magnify the Lord. We whose sins have been washed away in the blood of the Christ child rejoice in God our Savior. We who have been honored by God with the mercy of Jesus honor our mother, the holy Christian church, by rising up to confess that God has blessed her. And so he blesses us, therefore we honor one another. We honor the lowliness of the one next to us by singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. We teach our children true wisdom by teaching them to know Christ. We encourage one another to have regard for what God highly exalts. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to eternal life. Amen. We continue with the Magnificat.
Amen. 